Welcome to I Work in Fashion podcast. I'm Maddie, your host and creator of this podcast. And for today's episode, I'm meeting with fashion entrepreneur and business consultant, Sarah Shaw. She talks us through her career from starting her handbag brand to passing on her knowledge through her consulting firm, Entrepreneur. Hi everyone, welcome back to I Work in Fashion podcast, the show helping you find your place in the fashion industry. So on today's episode, I have the pleasure to welcome uh, Sarah Shaw, who's joining us on Zoom right now from the US. Uh, So Sarah is a fashion entrepreneur who started her own business, Sarah Shaw Handbags, but is now teaching others to do the same with her consulting company, but I'm sure she'll be the best to talk um, us about it later. But so first, how are you, Sarah? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, So I guess the first question is a very typical question, but if you could uh, introduce yourself quickly and and what you're doing um, at the moment, what is your activity? Sure. Um, So I've been consulting um, since 2009 with accessory and fashion brands and teaching them everything I've learned over the past 20 something years (laughs) of being in fashion, Mm -hmm. of how to grow their brand, how to sell online, how to get into stores, how to work with magazine editors to get free editorial in magazines, and then also how to work with celebrities and influencers. And so did you always want to be an entrepreneur? Like, was there always something, did you have this kind of like entrepreneurial flair, I guess, in your family or growing up or something? So good question. Um, I actually am a fourth generation entrepreneur that I know of. I think it does go back even further, but I actually never thought about being an entrepreneur. It never occurred to me uh, growing up. My parents were entrepreneurs. My siblings are all entrepreneurs, but I, when I graduated college, I went straight into costume designing and worked in the film business for about 11 years. And I just had a job and I thought I would just live and die there and, you know, retire when I was 65 or whatever. (laughs) And um, after about 11 years, I had an idea for a handbag and just sort of shoved it away in a drawer and then pulled it out again when someone saw me complaining about some other handbag designer in the New York Times And they were like, why do you even care about this? And I was like, well, I've had this idea for about a year and it's been in a drawer and they sort of dared me to get it going. And I thought, huh, well, maybe I'll do it. At that point, I still didn't really think about being an entrepreneur. I don't know. It just didn't occur to me. And anyway, I started this handbag line at night and on the weekends on my dining room table and started showing it to people. And all of a sudden, everyone loved it. And it just kind of took off like wildfire. So after about six months, I quit my job and became a full-time entrepreneur. Wow. And so the you were you said that you had this idea for a handbag. Was that something that you got from like working in film and and costume design? Or was it more something that you got inspired somewhere else, I guess? Yeah, well, so people think that Hollywood is super glitzy and glamorizing all the time. Right. And it's yeah. actually can be, it can be, but it can also be really boring, like sitting around and waiting, you know, in between scenes and the lighting and the cameras. And sometimes it can even be two or three hours of sitting around. And so I, a few of my friends who other costume people and some set decorators, we decided that we wanted to have something fun to do on the weekends. So we started this little craft club 
And back then Martha Stewart was really the only sort of avid public crafter. So this was probably in 1997. And we would meet on the weekends and, you know, bring our little tear sheets from magazines. And there was this really cute little red felt bag that was cut mm -hmm. with pinking shear edges, you know, the zigzag scissors. Yeah. And it, but it was like an old school lunch bag, right? Like an old brown mm -hmm. bag. And I thought it was a cute, like she was, you know, said it was a holiday gift wrapping idea. So I just thought it'd be so cute if you turned it on its side and added two little handles, it could be a cute handbag. And that's actually where I got the idea for my bag. And that piece of paper sat in my drawer for a year until I actually decided to make one. Amazing. Well, I guess you can thank uh, Martha Stewart for your exactly. thing. <laughs> it's amazing because obviously like inspiration comes from anywhere. And, you know, I guess that's like a, definitely a testament to that. Um, sure. And so you mentioned briefly that um, you, after college, you started going obviously in like the uh, costume industry, but can you tell me uh, more about your studies? I guess from like, what did you study at college and um, how did you get even to like uh, designing costume? So um, I had um, lived in France when I was a junior in high school for the year with a French family. And I came back speaking fluent French and finished up my last year of high school. And then I went to college and I was determined to be a simultaneous translator at the U.S. Oh, I, I thought that sounded like my super glamorous yeah. job. <laughs> I was going to travel the world and, you know, be translating for some diplomat somewhere or something. And so I studied French in college, but I went to Bennington College in Vermont. And it's a small liberal arts college known for theater and art. And they make you take a class in every department, which meant I had to take something in theater. And I did not want to take acting or lighting or set design. So I took the costume design class because I figured I wouldn't have to write a paper for it. And I actually really loved it. And I had so much fun and I took it again the next semester and I just fell in love with it. So I ended up double majoring in French and costume design and really decided that costume design was the direction I wanted to go. So I um, ended up going to UC Berkeley for my senior year of college after I went to live in France for my junior year of college and decided I was finished at Bennington and I wanted to study with the costume design professor at UC Berkeley and that's where I grew up. And so I, uh, they accepted me there for my senior year and, but I had to go back to Bennington to do, because they were taking the credits to give me a diploma. And so I had to go back there to do my senior project in costume design because they wanted me to do it in person. So I technically didn't graduate till December instead of the past June. So I couldn't go to graduate mm. school, obviously in September, because I was still finishing college. And so I applied to graduate school for the following year and got a full scholarship to NYU. And Amazing. I was going to go and be a Broadway costume yeah. <laughs> designer and get my master's and everything. But during that time, I had about nine, 10 months that I was waiting to go to grad school. I moved to Los Angeles and had some friends there. And my sister was living there and she knew people in film. And they just kind of got me started in film. And all of a sudden I had all these jobs and I was getting in the union and learning and I never went to grad school. And that's kind of how I got into costumes. Amazing. Well, I mean, sometimes I think it's really about the opportunities you get and 
obviously you might have this like plan in your mind and especially NYU I, I think it's it must have been something in your mind like okay I have to make it to NYU but then I guess life decided otherwise for you which um yeah I think is, is really cool <laughs> you just have to be able to pivot and follow the path right yeah exactly so after obviously you started your uh, handbag business um, later on, you decided to, I guess, help other people do the same and like created this uh, consulting company called Entrepreneur or Entrepreneur, <laughs> however you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. can you tell me a bit about like the yeah. motivation behind creating this business or consulting firm? Sure. So I started my handbag company in 19, late 1997 and I had it for five years and after 9-11, I had my some big investors and they actually pulled out after 9 11 Mm. in 2002 and i got some more investors and we just didn't really see eye to eye on how to grow my company so i ended up quitting (laughs) Mm. and uh you know and then in the end i closed that business at the end of 2002 and then i started um i patented a closet organizer the next year uh, for handbags so a way to organize the bags in your closet and it really took off. It was pretty amazing. People were really interested in it, but here's the thing. I thought I had been selling to 1200 stores with my handbags. So I thought I'm going to be an overnight millionaire, right? (laughs) I'm going to call them all and sell them this handbag organizer. And every person who buys a bag in their store is going to buy one of these. Mm -hmm. And you know, this is my like time to shine. None of them wanted it. (laughs) So only about a dozen or so. And they, back then, all these higher-end boutiques only sold clothes and accessories. They didn't Mm -hmm. sell a gift and they considered that a gift item. So I really had to start over. And so I had to find gift stores and do the internet Mm -hmm. research and start to build my own lists and make connections with these buyers. And so I really had to, you know, it was a different era too, right? This is now... Mm -hmm. um, like 2004, 2005, so still pre-social media, but the internet was very robust and all the buyers were on email for the most part. (laughs) Magazine editors were finally on email, right? So, um, and it was easier to find celebrities. I just started sort of doing what I knew how to do and what I'd learned how to do in my handbag company, which was getting press for myself getting products to celebrities. And this wasn't even something celebrities could walk around the street wearing, right? It was for their closet. (laughs) So, you know, it was, there was a lot of trust between me and the magazine editors at that point. Uh And so I started to research all these stores and, and I was very successful in the first couple of years, we got into 400 stores and we did half a million in sales just with one product in 12 colors. So people, you know, I had been taking this entrepreneurial class um, with a company uh, called Ladies Who Launch. Mm-hmm. And that really gave me the courage, I think, mm-hmm. to start the second company because I was still a little gun shy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd been doing some random consulting through the years after I closed my handbag company with com- with other handbag or jewelry companies mm-hmm. in the Los Angeles area that would call me, you know, and of course I'm thinking, why do you want to talk to me? I'm such a loser. <laughs> you know, I lost my company. And they were, you know, they were like, well, you did so well. We want to learn what yeah. you did. And so kind of on and off, I would consult with these brands and it was fun. I just didn't think of it as a job. Mm-hmm. I just sort of thought of it as something to do for two months. Right. 
because I was still sort of trying to get my sea legs back and decide what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And so as I was building my handbag organizer business um, and teaching these classes for this Ladies Who Launch program, some friends said to me, you know, your classes are so full and everybody wants to learn from you and you have all mm -hmm. this information, you know, you should start consulting. And I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. I mean, who's going to pay me to teach them? And they're like, uh, you're already teaching a few companies. Yeah. And I said, oh, you know, I guess that's true. And so they sort of knocked me over the head and I hired a business coach to teach me how to create a business, a service-based business, because mm -hmm. I had never done that before. Of course. And so in 2009, I decided that I was ready to do it. And, <laughs> uh, and I, at that point I had licensed my patent I see, um, okay. to a closet organizing company. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and I was still filling new, you know, filling orders where I have a, I had a 3PL warehouse and they were filling orders for stores and internet orders for me. So it was really hands off. And I just decided I didn't want to build, you know, get yeah. more stores, build anything because the licensees were doing pretty well for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the stores that I had were ordering pretty consistently and, yeah you know, if I needed money, I just send out an email, Hey, who needs to place an order? <laughs> and I would get, you know, a bunch of orders. Yeah. And, but I started consulting and I really enjoy it. I love, I love teaching women all these shortcuts mm -hmm. to getting to where they want to go. And I think that's what makes me feel really great about getting out of bed every day is that I wish I had had somebody like me, yeah. right. When I had my handbag company, cause you know, it was like the dark ages pre-internet pretty much. And, you know, I'd be going to trade shows or going to the Los Angeles Mart during market week and like taking people's line sheets mm -hmm. and postcards and going up to showrooms and seeing what buyers yeah. looked like. You know, it was just a whole new world for mm -hmm. me. And I didn't have any resources at that point, right? There, you know, you couldn't find a factory online or talk to China or anything, yeah. right? would you say that today I guess obviously with like social media and even how it like fast the internet is do you say would you say it's like easier or harder I guess to like um put your brand across because it feels like yes of course the resources are there and you could say that there's so much more way to like access them but then it feels like there's so much more brand and everyone can or wants at least to be like an entrepreneur at some point so would you say it's harder or like easier than when you did it I guess I think it's a double-edged sword mm -hmm. so there's part of me that feels like the ease of the internet and the amazing access to everything that's available to us including mm -hmm. social media and yeah. you know how how getting in touch with people is more accessible, like, right, mm -hmm. whether you find them on LinkedIn, or you send them a letter by snail mail, or you email them, or you post on their social, yeah. you like, you know, there's so many ways to have points of contact with people mm -hmm. now, that I think that part is easier, easier. Yeah. But because there's so many brands out there, you have to be louder to make, uh, to make yourself known, right? Like, I feel like you you know, have to get a big hit in a magazine, mm -hmm. you know, that it can't just be a few small hits. It needs to be something big that other vendors might see and then they want to buy from you, right? If you have a celebrity or a big influencer who, you know, posts about your product, 
And then you know what to do with it, right? You send that out to your online shoppers, mm-hmm. you get that out on your social, you send it to stores, send it to magazines, you know, you've got all these editors and people at your fingertips, right? So there's a part of how do you build that list? How do you have access to that? You know, keeping it current, um, you know, and making sure that it's not just going into a black hole, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that to me, it's more exciting these days just because there is so much more potential yeah. and so many more ways to be seen than in the olden dinosaur days, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, there were, you know, less magazines, mm. there weren't any online blogs, there weren't any online magazines. So everybody had um, one place to sort go. of a more constricted yeah. place to look, right? Mm, so it was course. more tunnel vision, whereas now it's extremely broad, mm-hmm. right? You can listen to 50,000 podcasts, yes. you can learn from, you know, any guru that you want to, mm-hmm. right? And so there, to me, there's something exciting about that mm-hmm. at the same time. And so um, what does your like job as a consultant entail? So what is kind of like, how do you help uh, those women start their business? So I work with people, um, most for the most part, people who already have made products and just have, you know, have a business established. They just don't know how to really sell it or market it. And I work with people in two ways. I have this really awesome, I think it's awesome, group coaching program where the, it's a, it's sort of a hybrid between watching videos and learning uh, all of my techniques through video training, as well as the hybrid part is I do two group coaching calls every week. So I'm right there to help people. I can answer questions, mm-hmm. walk you through a problem, troubleshoot, you know, whatever's happening um, every week or even twice a week. And then I also give a lot of hands-on help in, in helping them with editing mm-hmm. and making sure that things sound the way they want to. And so basically what I, you know, or, or my company does a done for you service where we do everything for you. And basically what I teach people is how to sell online, like how to market to your online shoppers, how to attract them, how to engage with them, how to reach out to store buyers, what to say, how to sort of what the whole uh, follow-up flow should look like, how to close the deal, you know, offers you can make them, how to entice them to buy from you. Mm-hmm. And then in my programs, we supply all of our store lists. So we have massive store lists for the U.S., some, are, some in the U.K. But, and Canada, but mostly the U.S. And then we teach you how to pitch the media, you know, how to think about what the media is looking for, how to talk about your product, to make it interesting, right? You know, mm-hmm. I, was, I was selling one product in 12 colors and I was yeah. in tons of press, right? Because it's thinking about, what what is that magazine mm-hmm. what who's their customer what would they want to hear right and telling them what they want to hear so that they actually open your email and look at what you're selling um and we we supply all of the editor editorial contacts mm-hmm. and then i also teach people how to work with celebrities and influencers mm-hmm. you know what to say to them how to think about who are the right people to attract your yeah. ideal customer um you know some celebrities you might think they're fun or love their movies but you at the same time, you might think my customer would never, you know, buy anything that that person was holding up. So they're dead to you. (laughs) Right. And because it's not going to get people to buy and Mm -hmm. you want to have that relationship work, making sure that you're always pitching on target for who your customer is, is just 
such, so important. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. I look at pitches people have, and I, I know what their product is, you know, and I'm, and I'm like, wow, I think I would write about it this way. And they're like, oh my gosh, that is so amazing. Like I never yeah. would have thought that. Cause you know, sometimes it's hard to think about yourself or your own product because you're too close to it. Oh yeah, right? of course, absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like if, especially if it's a brand that you've been working on for so long and you've been so passionate about, it's so difficult, I guess, to take a step back and and um, look at maybe what is not working, for example. So that's why it's also um, really cool. Even we, me with my podcast, I always ask for people's um, like feedback and opinion because I'm sure there's some things that I'm missing because I'm so, I guess, focused on one thing and and i think it's so important to have um other people's feedback and also work as a group because i feel like obviously i'm guessing uh what you offer is also this like um team of entrepreneurs who can also help each other and learn from each other which i i think is is also very important to build a brand because we can all learn from each other. Exactly. I mean, sometimes I, I always say to people, you're going to be the most successful if you can get on at least one call a week mm -hmm. because you'll hear other people's problems or yeah. a solution that I give. And you're like, you know, you're like, woo, that would have just been, you know, yeah, I just didn't course. even know I needed to know that. Right. And sometimes people will bring things up um, that you didn't know you needed to know. So it can be really helpful. And so you mentioned that, uh, yes, yeah, so you help people uh, market or not market, but like send their products to like celebrities and influencers. Um, do you think it's the best way nowadays to um, market your product and to get your visibility towards your brand? Or would you say, like, I guess, what would you say is the best way to put your product out there and, and make it known, I guess? I think um, a mixture of magazines and celebrities and influencers, mm -hmm. you know, that a lot of influencers charge money. Yeah. And whereas to get your products to, you know, an A-list celebrity, Jessica Alba or something is free, yeah. right? If they don't charge you, but she's also not going to guarantee that, that she's, she's going to post, post about yeah. it. That makes sense. So, you know, there is the risk of sending the product in it you know, you never hear from them or it doesn't, you, mm -hmm. you know, they, there's never a photo. So I, I think it just needs to be a healthy mixture of mm -hmm. everything um, because magazines do have a big reach. So when you mean magazine, print and online magazines or? Print, yeah. yeah, print magazines. I mean, one of the gals in my group um, a few months in got into Real Simple and sold over 1,700 units. Wow. Mm -hmm in the next six weeks. I mean, that's huge, right? So, you know, and, and if she had just been in their online version or something, but that, that kind of a magazine has such a big reach that, you know, it brought in all kinds of stores and the grommet and uncommon mm -hmm. goods and all these places that placed yeah. orders after that. So that one little product she sent for free, you know, brought in like a hundred thousand dollars well i guess it's also because magazines even today like they have this credibility i feel like especially with print that if i mean in the end obviously you're you're um i mean this person just sent her product for free but you could you could imagine that they get so many a day or like a week that if your product is featured it means it must be good and i feel like that's also what the reader might feel like. And I get that why I guess print magazines would have such a big impact because of their credibility that they have. Yeah, it's all about building that credibility factor because people come to your website and maybe they check out your press or your celebrities, you know, the stores that you're in. 
Um, and all those things raise your credibility level. What would you say are the three main advice you could give to someone who wants to start a, a business or especially a fashion or like beauty business, for example, if there was like three key things they should focus on, I guess. Uh, the first one would be to test your product, right? Do a lot of market research, mm -hmm. check the pricing, the packaging, the ingredients again, and the, you know, against everybody else, just to make sure you feel like you're in the playing yeah. field. Um, always trust your gut <laughs> and your instincts because they're going to be the best when it's related to your product mm -hmm. and make sure that your pricing is done correctly. That's one of the things that I see the biggest uh, mistakes in mm -hmm. is people don't know how to price their products correctly. And so they're actually losing money. And so I guess one of the, the signature questions of the podcast is if there is a book, a film, or even a, a personality that has inspired your career decisions. I don't think anyone inspired my career decisions as much as I really like Marcus Lemonis's philosophy mm -hmm. on the profit. I just felt like he was really straightforward with people and I kind of adapted that mentality um, for my, for my business. And mm -hmm. I realized, again, I have to stay true to my own instincts. And as soon as you falter from those things tend to go awry. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it's better, you know, to be honest and truthful with yourself and with the people you're working with. And mm -hmm. so if, if anybody really inspired me to keep going the way I am, it's probably him. The last question of the podcast is um, obviously this podcast uh, is meant to like help people who want to make it in fashion, whether, you know, because obviously, I mean, fashion, making it in fashion means so many things for different people. But so if there is one advice that you could give um, to someone who wants to not only start the business, because obviously you've given us a lot of advice already, mm -hmm. but I guess just like pursue their dreams in fashion as I guess as you started as you did in 1997 I think it was um what would you what would be one advice that you wish someone had you wish someone had given you the advice I wish someone had given me yeah my gosh a list of how to do everything <laughs> <laughs> um I mean I wish that I had had somebody like me you know mm -hmm. back then who could shortcut everything for me so you know whether I'm the right person or not you know, it's, I would definitely tell anyone listening to get a mentor, you know, whether it's through uh, some kind of organization or a, a, even a meetup group or something or a Facebook group where people can help you, you know, get through, you know, sort of silly questions, right? Mm. You know, you might feel like they're silly or embarrassing because you feel like they're young questions, you know, inexperienced. But at the same time, you don't want to spend three months trying to figure something out that you could just ask someone and yeah. get the answer in 15 minutes, right? It's, I think that's kind of goes back to what I was saying, I think is so great about the internet and social media is that you have all these accesses, right? There's so many mm -hmm. different Facebook groups for, you know, candle makers or yeah. different fashion designers where there's people in those groups who have made the mistakes most likely mm -hmm. before you and could advise you or help you to avoid the mistakes 
before you make them, which they could be costly, yeah, right? Which is sort of what we're always trying to avoid. Okay, well, I think that's uh, a great, I guess, advice to end this episode. So um, I hope everyone enjoyed it. And thank you so much, Sarah. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of I Work in Fashion Podcast with Sarah Shaw. I hope you've enjoyed it and potentially learned a thing or two for your own entrepreneurial journey. All of the people and material mentioned in this episode are linked in the description below. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you can also follow the Instagram at iWorkPodcast. That way you'll know when a new episode comes out and can also send me feedback, questions, or even recommendations for future guests. See you next time.